Welcome back to our Busting Addiction and Its Myths podcast. I'm Bruno J, and I have updated the introduction to our episodes in order to address an issue that we cannot ignore, nor do we want to. It looks like COVID-19, the coronavirus, will be with us for some time. Some say for another year or two. People are as frightened as they ever have been. They seek safety for their families above all, protection from the virus and from economic insecurity. But many families also face an added burden, drug addiction and alcoholism in their own homes, and what to do about it. There's something you should know. We, Safe House Rehab Thailand, were founded on the idea of safety. We hold on to the truth that clients deserve to come to a treatment clinic where they can at least feel safe and sound. Devoting ourselves to safety first gives us the firm foundation upon which everything else is constructed. Hence our name, Safe House Rehab Thailand. Thailand has been recognized as one of the world's safest places to be during the pandemic. Further, we at Safe House have made the right adjustments so that clients and staff remain and feel safe and sound. Masks are mandatory as is social distancing, mandatory hand cleaning, daily blood oximeter readings, which is an early warning measure, and if by chance someone, anyone doesn't feel well, the local hospital in Bangbong is only minutes away. My podcast, Busting Addiction and Its Myths, is dedicated to serving families of still-suffering addicts and alcoholics by providing evidence-based advice and insight so that you can make a better informed decision on what to do and what not to do. We are sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, dedicated to a modern approach to recovery, which means that we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to diagnostics, technology, and aftercare. To learn how we can help, just visit safehouserehab.com where we post the latest news or send us an email at contact at safehouserehab.com. I'm Bruno J. Welcome back to our podcast. Busting Addiction and Its Myths. This is Season 4, Episode 13. I have chosen to call this episode a close call. You can't deny that a horror story is hard to resist. Think of all the horror and zombie movies released over the last decade. Most of them are money makers. And just as people are compelled to stare at the scene of an accident on the highway, so too are people drawn to the idea of a near-death narrative, especially in the context of addiction and alcoholism. This story will demonstrate that while the addict alcoholic puts up a normal-looking front, his outward appearance disguises a sick and convoluted drama being played out on the inside. The addict will never, ever disclose what he is really thinking and feeling. He will never even open up about the crazy things he does, especially when he goes overboard either in search of dope or when he's stoned and drunk. Just so there's no confusion by dope, I mean any substance other than alcohol that delivers a high or an altered state and is obtained illegally or legally for that matter. What follows is a short story vignette that spells a close call with death, but there's also redemption at the end of the story, so you should feel that all is not lost as long as the lesson is learned. This story was told to me by a friend in the ad business. Oliver actually sobered up before I did, and he is known to be a truth teller, so I have no reason to doubt his word about what happened that night. Oliver was a successful ad man, he still is, who liked his marijuana, he's clean and sober now, and he may have even considered himself an addict but wasn't sure at the time. He was sitting on the second floor balcony of his apartment in a college neighborhood, leisurely smoking a joint, when he spotted another young man about his age leave the building and pass in front and just below him. 
Oliver asked the guy whom he didn't know from Adam, say, hey, do you know where I could get some dope? Just like that. <laughs> the fellow says, sure, you got a, you got a car and 500 bucks? So Oliver gets the cash, some from the ATM and some from his own stash, and they climb into Oliver's truck and head into the sketchy part of town. Oliver learns the other man's name is Mark, and Mark proceeds to tell him that he's just out of jail for a baby offense, whatever that was supposed to mean. Okay, by now it's kind of late to turn back. Besides, Oliver notices with a twinge of panic that Mark has a small caliber pistol, maybe a thirty-two, tucked into the front of his jeans. At about 9 p.m., it's already jet black dark as Oliver parks his Chevy truck on the street about 100 feet from a dimly lit bungalow. The street is jammed with ordinary parked cars and some low riders and people lounging around on their porches on a warm summer night. Noticeable aroma of weed in the air, no problem yet. Just then, Mark turns to Oliver and says, I have an idea. Let's have our cake and eat it too. Just stay here and be ready to drive your ass off as soon as I jump into this piece of shit truck of yours. Okay, so the front door opens just as Mark walks across the porch where a couple of the boys are toking as they leisurely sway in their rocking chairs. They pay Mark no notice. He walks in looking relaxed and confident, but it isn't more than two, it isn't more than two minutes before Oliver hears, pop, 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 and Mark is running out holding his leather jacket in one hand and his gun in the other. Oliver had forgotten to unlock the passenger side <laughs> truck door, so there was that what-the-heck moment with both gentlemen panicked and Mark very pissed off. Two guys are chasing him, and they are firing off their own weapons every which way. Oliver figures that the shooters had not been high and drunk. Had the shooters not been high and drunk, it would have been an entirely different story. Still, one bullet rips through the dash, another blasts a hole in the door, but Al Oliver manages to pull away. With the truck full out, Oliver wants to know what went down. Not so good, says Mark. I shot the gun just to scare him, but I dropped the money, and they chased me out, so we have no money and no dope either. Boy, from enjoying a joint on a Saturday night to almost getting shot and maybe killed for what? On a whim and a haze of dope smoke? This is a perfect example of addicts being ruled by impulse and having terrible judgment as a consequence of a twisted thinking process. No inkling of consequences to themselves and certainly not to others. This incident didn't make the news. This is in a city with an average of one murder and seven incidents of gunfire every single day of the year. But let's wrap this story up properly. Oliver is close to his mom. She paid for his expensive degree, still babies him, and they, they talk every weekend. Here's the important thing to know. She had not a clue as to where her boy was really doing in his off hours. She's the widow of an abusive man who drank himself to death, and she is deathly afraid of anything that even suggests alcohol or drug abuse. Therefore, knowing this, Oliver will only present his best, most rational side to her to keep her clueless. She chose to ignore the signs of addiction in Oliver that presented themselves in high school. That was a good 12 years or more before the crazy incident I just described. Mom's been enabling good old Ollie for at least a decade or more. For example, Oliver owns up to this part. The marijuana wasn't, quote, wasn't mine found in his room. The one DUI that was taken care of. The slipping of grades that were chalked up to emotional stress over a love drama at the time. Mom lived in denial, and once Oliver was out of the house, it was just that much easier to stay clueless, almost on purpose. The scary fact is that addictive disease is, so, is very progressive. That is, it always gets worse, never better, never. Any thoughts otherwise are fueled by a dangerous illusion that suggests the ordinary mortal can manage a disease that makes people's lives completely and totally unmanageable. 
So even though the signs were there, no one acted upon them, and it took another 10 years for Oliver to hit bottom to surrender and for his lovely and loving mom to accept reality and accept help. Had she discovered what he was really up to, I can't help but wonder how she would have reacted, whether she would have fainted on the spot or shouted, I just knew you were up to no good. We'll never know, of course. We're just happy that he made it out alive, and that includes his wonderful mom. So what do we learn from Close Call? One, when you're an addict, you act out of impulse without regard to the consequences to yourself or others. The impulse is almost invariably about feeding the addiction with more of what gets you and keeps you high. Two, before you know it, you may end up in situations that could get you killed, and if not that, get you thrown in jail for being party to a major crime. You, the addict, wonder how a man like yourself with a degree from an Ivy League school could ever end up this way. Three, there were signposts on the way to this kind of hell, but Oliver's mom didn't or wouldn't recognize them, and if she did, nothing was done to intervene early when it would have mattered the most. As a loving mother, she did what she thought was right at the time, but she really didn't want to know. Four, what the story of a close call tells us is that Oliver could keep up appearances of normalcy while hiding how he felt about himself and what he was actually doing in his so-called leisure time. In this respect, Oliver is no different than other addicts and alcoholics. Thank you for tuning in today. It's my fervent hope we've given you new insight and new hope that will lighten your burden. For our hearts go out to all who suffer the effects of addictive disorder. Please give us your feedback at info at safehouserehab.com By all means, ask us any question you like, and we'll answer on air, if you will. And if you want to leave us your first name and city, we'll recognize you too, of course. This podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, where we take a modern approach to recovery, something all families of those who suffer deserve. Tune in next week for more.